Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. I am sitting here at Palmetto School Fort Myers at my school here in Fort Myers, Florida with Stephen Birkenhauer. He has been working for us since we opened the school in 2011. We just celebrated his eight year anniversary. And I knew this had to be the year to do this podcast interview with him. He is so fun. Wait till you hear him. Steven, thank you for being a part of this. When him and I get together, watch out. We're in trouble because we cannot stop. We have too much fun laughing. I was just listening to a podcast today, which I, I love, love, love this Jay Shetty. And he said, one of the number one things you need to do is laugh more. And we, ha- we do not, not have in a our problem. Case. <laughs> not in our case. <laughs> we have so much laughter and it's just so healing and so fun. But what I love the most about you, Stephen, is just your love for our future professionals. Like it is genuine. And I can honestly tell you that on one hand that I can tell you I've had staff members that love students the way you do. And I want to dig a little deeper into that because my number one value is love. But before we do that, I just want to share with you a little bit about Stephen Birkenhauer. This is his 10th year teaching. He's been a learning leader for us for eight years. It's 29 years in the business of hair. 29 years. We're not going to give away your age. You're 30, right? You started when you were one. I started in kindergarten. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes okay. I did. <laughs> and I remember when you went through your um, actually interview process. It's funny because back then I was doing all of the hiring and we had you uh, do a sample teaching, a mini teaching with some of our students. And I have actually, I stopped doing hair in 2006, so it's been a long time since I've done hair. And you were teaching a color class, which totally makes sense that you were in your mom's salon your whole life because you knew color inside and out. And I actually understood it. And I thought, wow, I could actually probably do hair now if I have Steven's <laughs> So I enjoyed it so much. I walked out, I think it was mid-presentation. I'm like, we need to hire this guy. He's awesome. And I just, I loved your spirit and everything about you. And I knew when we hired you, it was really for your spirit. You know, I know, knew that you had great competency and you've held a lot of positions here in our school and you're always willing to go above and beyond and exceed everyone's expectations, which I think is so crazy. But tell me this because... This was really, really dumbfounding to me. I'd never had a staff member that did this. I remember when you came to me and and I basically said, what is your expectations of how much you should be paid? And most people will give me a number. They'll tell me the amount, right? But not Steven. Steven said, pay me whatever you normally pay an instructor, a learning leader, you said, pay me what you normally would pay. And, and I was just shocked to the core that you would say something like that because most people have a set number. And you said, I will earn my raises. Where did that come from? Is that something that you learned from your mom? Like, is this something that you just learned or is it just ingrained in you? Because no one does that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody but me. Nope. <laughs> um, You know, I think that a lot of times I think people forget how important a work ethic actually is. Now, Mm -hmm. I had a very, very good relationship with my father's parents, my grandparents. 
and they were they were raising children in the depression and you had to work for everything you got like my parents were very well off they never handed me anything i mean you know my dad worked for the chrysler corporation i had to buy my first car they didn't just mm. give me stuff mm -hmm. they would help me yeah like in certain circumstances um, they might match money that I had to save, yeah. you know, if I needed a large purchase. But I mean, I'll never forget when I was, I was in the seventh grade and my dad, I told my dad, I said, I need, I want to join the tra track team and I need $35, which lets you know how far back this goes. Yeah. <laughs> I need $35 for running shoes. The coach says, and my father looked at me and I was seventh grade. So what am I? 12, 13 years old. He looks at me and he said, go get a job. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I did. Wow. <laughs> so... That was I your mean, first job. My then. first job was busing uh, tables and washing dishes in an Italian restaurant at the end of my street. Wow. This is basically how you learned your work ethic, which I'm not surprised. I was the same way. worked since I've been 15 years old. And you do learn a really great work ethic when you're working for somebody besides just your parents, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get pushed, for sure. Yeah, like we, did, we didn't get allowances. If yeah. we wanted something, we had to work mm -hmm. for it. And the expectation was there. I mean, we're mm -hmm. both from Michigan. So I was expected to mow lawns in the spring and summer and rake leaves in the fall and yeah. you know, shuffle, shovel driveways in the winter. Right. Like, you know, we were expected to keep our room clean, to do our own laundry from the time we were like maybe 10 years old, my siblings and I. So, you know, it's never occurred to me to not give 100% in anything I do. What's the point in doing it then? Yeah. Is the question I ask yeah. myself. Yeah. I love that about you, Stephen, because you not only give 100%, but I believe you are 100%. And I, I think this is going to be entitled Be 100%, because <laughs> when I think of Stephen, you are always all in for everything that you do. And, and I think it's so cool. Tell me the story, the journey in your life. Why are you now a part of AA meetings with the LGBT community? I know there's a story to this. I've heard some of your story. What, yeah. what is your story? Um, well, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Um, I've been sober 12 and a half years now. Awesome. Um, yeah. February yeah. 2nd, 2007 is my mm -hmm. recovery date. Um, you know, when you first, AA meetings, you, you have to be able to go in there feeling like you need help. That first time you walk through that door, you're scared. You don't know what to expect. You've probably done something really bad because mm -hmm. usually most addicts had to have done something really bad to realize that it's time to go get help. Yeah. You know, I just, my husband and I, I don't think it's an accident that we just saw Rocket Man, uh, the story about Elton John. I don't know if you've oh. seen it, um, but it was all about that. He had just completely hit rock bottom and, and he walked off stage uh, from doing a huge, huge concert, walked off stage from behind stage and went right to an AA meeting and he started that whole process. And I thought that was really, really cool. But talk about your what was your rock bottom? Because I believe transformed people transform people. And I believe that is the definition of leadership. And that's Stephen all the way. What was your rock bottom and what brought you to AA? What advice can you give? Because I know there's so many walking alcoholics out there. And I know them. I know some of them. And I don't know how to help them. So help me help them. Who's ever listening to this, I feel like they need to hear it either for themselves or they need to hear it to help somebody. So help help me understand. Okay. So 
Um, my rock bottom came. I went to with some friends to a party in New Orleans on January 31st of 2007. And I woke up in a hotel February 2nd in Dallas, Texas, with no memory of the previous 36 hours. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I don't know how I got... I mean, that's not a short trip yeah. <laughs> from Louisiana to Texas. No. I don't know how I got there. I don't know what I did. I don't know so who blacked I did out. it with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To this day, the memories have not come back. I'm not entirely convinced at this point that maybe that's not a blessing. Yeah. Um, was that all alcohol or was it drugs all too? alcohol. Wow. I mean, I, yeah. my relationship. Pills too? Um, I like don't. Like Elton John, he was taking prescription pills with the alcohol and that's what caused it for him. Yeah. And cocaine right. too. I saw that um, in the movie. I mean, I, you know, when I was out partying, I do the, the drugs in the clubs that people were doing, but I never purchased mm -hmm. them. I never went for them. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as I had a nice healthy bottle of gin, I was set. Yeah. Know? Okay. Ugh. Yeah. So, uh -huh. yeah, so, I mean, and this really, this was an eye-opening experience because I had to think if I didn't know what I did, I didn't know if I'd harmed other people. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if I'd brought harm to myself. Back then, um, you had to get tested for HIV for six months before you would get a clean bill of health. So I spent six yeah. months worrying if, if in this blackout I had permanently altered the state of my health. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I couldn't go on like that anymore, Tina. I was so emotionally stretched out. Mm -hmm. And so I walked right in and I shared that story. Mm -hmm. And someone looked at me and said, you're in the right place because you just completed your first step. And that is realizing that you are powerless over this addiction and that you need God to help save you. Yeah. So, okay, talk me through this. So the AA, is that strictly for alcohol or is it for drug addicts too? Because I know a big uh, challenge that I'm seeing in Michigan, where I'm from, is uh, addiction to heroin. Ooh, so where, yeah. like, how do you help someone and to understand? Because I've even had people reach out to me and say, Tina, I don't know what to do. I don't, you know, and I'll, I'll give them, you know, numbers, anonymous numbers to be able to call, but I don't know what else to do for right. them. Um um, if you are, AA stands for Alcoholics Anonymous, so that is strictly an alcohol thing. Okay. If you are addicted to pills, cocaine, heroin, okay. we have NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous. Got it. Mm -hmm. NA. Okay. Yeah. Are you involved with any of that or helping out? Um, no, because mm -hmm. even though the 12-step process is the same. It is. I, okay. I was, yeah, the 12 steps are the 12 steps. Okay. Um, what are the 12 steps? Oh, you want me to recite them all from memory? <laughs> At least a few of them. Because I, it's so funny because people will tell me my book, Be Amazing, that I wrote. They're like, oh, you know what? That reminds me of the 12 steps. And I'm like, I never went to AA. I didn't know that. But, you know, it's called success. It's success principles. And I believe that the AA has success principles. So let's talk through some of those. What are some of okay. your favorite that's helped, um, helped you? Well, uh, the fourth step, which is your uh, take your inventory. Take your inventory. What's that mean? It means that you have to go through and you have to figure out, okay, why do I behave this way? Okay. Why do I feel this way? Why? Yeah. Okay. So whether, no and matter I, what it is, if it's anger, if it's alcohol, um, heroin, why? Why am I doing this? So how do you do that? How do you dig? Um, well, in, in a 12-step program, you have a sponsor which is somebody who okay. has completed the 12 steps. Got it. Now the so 12 sponsor. Right. Now the 12th step actually says to continue and take the message to the people who still suffer. Okay. 
Okay. So you've never really, com you've never kind of completed the 12 steps because the 12th step is something that you do going forward for the rest of your life. Right. And it's being of service. So is, the minute you go through AA, they want you to be a sponsor. Everyone um, should be a sponsor. And it helps you to heal. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Because stay helping, somebody, helping somebody stay sober helps you stay sober. I agree. Yeah. Transformed people transform Correct. people. And then transformed people transform. It keeps going right around. Right. Because it never ends. Right. right? And, and it never ends. While yeah. that person, I mean, there are ways if you're sponsoring, you aren't working together well, um, you can always get a different one. But typically, you're with them for life. Okay, so step four is take your inventory. Why do I behave the way I do? Why did you behave the way you did? Like, what was your why? What um, was your transformational? I, mean, I, I came across my addiction, quite honestly. Both of my parents are alcoholics. And okay. I don't like to violate their anonymity, but they're also very open about it, especially mm -hmm. my mother. Okay. Um, she's did also, she she's, get help? Is she My clean? mother is in okay, recovery. Nice. Yep, nice. she's doing great. That was how our relationship was able to turn into what it is today. Yeah, you talked about that, your relationship, yeah. so with yeah. your family. So I that's mean, your mom. I didn't I didn't have a relationship with my mother for eighteen years. Wow. And okay. I, unfortunately I still don't have one with my father. The door is open. Yeah. He just won't walk through it. Okay. Um yeah. and it, it saddens me a little mm -hmm. bit because he's going to be in his late seventies. This month actually is his birthday. Yeah. And every year that goes by, I think, how many more of these do we have? Yeah. How, you know, how mm -hmm. many chances? Cause how many more birthdays? Once mm -hmm. he's in the ground, it's all over. Mm -hmm. The opportunity never happens. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. have reached out to him. Mm -hmm. It's not been met with much success, unfortunately. But I can't make him be who I want him to be. Yeah. I have to let him be his version of himself, whether I agree with mm -hmm. it or not. When I had to make my amends, I will say that 90% of the people I made amends to gave me a hug and just said, we're glad you're getting well. It was a very yeah. positive experience. Mm -hmm. But the other 10% weren't so kind. And I had to let them be unkind because I had wronged them, not vice versa. Right. So... Right. Sometimes, I mean, you know me, uh, it's like um, our director here at the school always says, accountability for me is not hard to get across. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, you know, I, we, mm -hmm. we always joke, Stephen asks for forgiveness, not permission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for me, the first step in the process was the accountability, realizing that I had harmed other people, mm -hmm. even, you know, even indirectly. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, your mother, I, I, I know your children. Mm -hmm. um, can I tell, tell them about your grandbaby? Yes. Oh, yes, so Grandma cute. T. Uh -huh. <laughs> Little you know, Aiden. If, if, mm -hmm. if you know that you're, if you see your child, let's say, mm -hmm. and you see them going down a path like this, as their mother, you hurt. Yes. You hurt. Yes. You worry. Yes. So even though I didn't actually do anything to you, I did hurt you. You see what right. I'm saying? Right. So I've got to go back and I, you know, when part of making amends might be going back and saying, I'm, I'm sorry you, you stayed awake at night wondering if I was going to wrap myself around a tree driving home drunk. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sorry that I didn't treat you the way you deserve to be treated. 
because Got I it. wasn't in a place where I could have treated you that way. And working through that forgiveness process with the other person opened the door for me to learn to forgive myself. Because if mm. if I wronged you and you're okay. not mad at me anymore, why yeah. should, why do I have to be mad at myself? Yeah, that's good. And that's why I believe transformed people transform people. We all have a message to bear. I don't believe things happen to us. I think they happen through us for other people. And so anything negative that happens, get rid of the guilt and shame. Just get rid of it. Get it off the table because you're supposed to help somebody and there could be somebody right in front of you. And I'll tell you today, I was just coaching a student and I had just learned something yesterday. I was like, I think this is for you. And I sat down with him and I shared this and it was a transformational moment, right, for him. And I believe everything that we go through is for other people and don't just hoard it hoard your transformation right no and so how do you do that because I know you're so good at that and why are you such a giver you are one of the most giving we like to say create magic here in the Palmetto School <laughs> create magic person I've never seen anybody give as much as you do Stephen. where did that come from um uh, probably I would have to say it goes all the way back to my grandparents and me as a kid mm. My grandmother was the type of person that if she had a sandwich and she saw somebody hungry, she got she ate half a sandwich. And she wow. gave the other half to the hungry person if she didn't give them the whole thing. So you saw this at mm -hmm. an early age, and so that was instilled in you. And that, that is so you. I mean, almost every night you're bringing food to the students or buying the food well, for them. <laughs> it's crazy. I think, I think, you know, you know this. The answer's within, and I know you know this. You you do get things back when you give. Yes. You know, when you sow, you grow. That's in my book. Exactly. Yeah. So, you do. so helping them, you have to remember when I took my instructor's license in Michigan, many moons ago, all the people, all the hairstylists, teachers were failed hairdressers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, we are the Harvard of beauty schools. How do you teach a future professional how to make $100,000 doing hair if you don't have somebody on staff that does that? Right. Yeah. How do you teach somebody, how do you teach them the, the power and the value of honesty and giving back if yeah. you don't give back? Yeah. One of the reasons that I work so well for you is you and I both have high expectations of the people that work for right. us. Mm-hmm. As we should. Because you're 100%. Right. <laughs> Be 100%. It is very <laughs> difficult for me to manage people who are not 100 percenters mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I you know that's a whole different art yeah <laughs> it certainly is it's an art <laughs> and, but you know what but I just didn't want to spend my time doing that like the things we've discussed the things right. that I want to do the, yeah the um, be available for my clients be available for the future professionals be available for the people trying to get sober you know be available for the people at my temple I don't I don't have mm. time to, to I don't feel I have time to try to manage people who don't want to be managed. We're adults. Yes. Yeah. We should know. We so should you're, know. you're saying yes to the best for you. You're staying in your strength zone so that you can be available where you believe that God wants you to be available right now. And that's so powerful. I, I believe that's an art in itself, uh, Stephen, because I believe a lot of people are running around doing things that they don't even want to be doing, working at places they don't even... I, I speak, and I'll have people raise their hand. How many people do not like where they work right now? And it oh. breaks my heart to see the hands go up. Talk about that, Stephen, because 
How is it that you just fall in love? You are 100% of where you go. I bet you never said I hated working somewhere. I bet you've always been one of the top earners in every place that you go. How do you do that? How do you make that shift? Because I always am trying to train people how to make that shift. Like make, make the most money where you're at and be the happiest person that anybody knows. Why are you so miserable at work? You're just stealing a paycheck at that point. Talk through that process. Um, first of all, you, I don't think a lot of people really know what they want. Mm. And that, that, mm-hmm. that self is, is, you know, that takes some real introspection. Yeah. You know, sit down. Going back what to the inventory. You, right. Yes. What do you, what do you, what do you think? Want? What do you feel? Um, you know, a lot of people, like, they like to bake. And they're like, well, is there any real money in baking? Oh, I guarantee you that, I guarantee you the pastry chef at the Ritz-Carlton is very well Exactly. Paid. You yes. know, find what you love. Do what you love and, and the money will come. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you've always done. Do what, yeah, do what you love. Once you know what you want, it's yes. up to you to go get it. Yes. Nobody's going to throw it into your lap yes. and say, here's your perfect dream job. Yes. Not, you know this as well as I do. Anything worth having was probably not easy to get. Yes. You know, I mean, successful marriages take work, successful relationships Mm -hmm. take work, successful businesses take work. Like, don't, don't sit around waiting for stuff to fall in your lap. Now, did I get a stroke of luck when that day spa hired me and I didn't think I stood a snowball's chance in you know where? Yeah, that was a stroke of luck. But I made sure that the, I didn't waste the luck. Yes. You put everything into it. I put everything into it. I thought if if I can get through these doors and these people are willing to hire me, I'm going to be the best darn assistant that this guy has ever seen in his life. And I was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I love about you because you've never complained. And, you know, it's interesting because I just heard the best definition of culture because I always ask people, why do you choose to come to this school and why do you choose to work in our salons? And they say, because you have your culture. And what I realize is what it really means. It's you have common language, common beliefs, and common behavior. So when you go out and look for jobs, we always tell our students, go to three three to five different times in this mm-hmm. place because you gotta see, do they have your common language? Do they have your common beliefs? Do they have your common behaviors? Then you're a perfect fit, mm-hmm. right? Then you're gonna fit right in, that's culture. So really, really study the culture of where you're in. And I, I believe people jump too fast because they're just like desperate for cash. Mm. And it's like, stop being so de- desperate, just be a hundred percent and you'll get a hundred percent. And, and so that's what I believe about you, Stephen. So what other advice uh, can you give anyone that's listening to this right now to be a hundred percent? Um, you know, there's an old saying, my grandmother used to say this all the time. She used to say, you listen to people talk about the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. Where right. you fertilize it. That's good. Where you take care of it. Yes. Okay? So you have the power. Trust me. I, I am sitting here as living proof. You have the power to change your life. Yes. And you have the power to change it for the better. But you've got to act on it. You've got, you've got to be introspective and say, where's my strengths? Where's my weaknesses? Who can help me? Honestly, yeah. This school has done more for me emotionally Hmm. than a lot of jobs ever would. You know, you have never, ever 
stood in my way for any of the magic I've ever tried to create. That hasn't happened in, in previous jobs. Like uh, I've actually had people say, well, we don't want to be associated with that or people aren't going to want to give their Sundays off or, you know, like I try to put out a spread every Christmas um, for the clients. Mm. So for a few days, mm -hmm. you know, and that gets me in the kitchen and I'm baking and I'm in my groove and I'm doing <laughs> what I got to do and I'm bringing it in and other people are eating it. No, oh, I'm going to gain 10 pounds again this holiday season. Because like, of Steven. Yeah, have some more cake. Um, and I've had, I've worked for business mm. that were like, what do you mean? You want to, you want to put food out for people in a salon? Yeah. I do. And, and I've, you know, I worked in places like that. And as obviously I don't work there anymore. Um, you've never not let me do something I wanted to do if it was for the good of the staff or students ever, even as kooky and as wacky as some of them can be. <laughs> if the it, students love it, like talk about the influence that you have over them. People always wonder what leadership is. Leadership is just influence. And, and I'll tell you the best way to influence, create magic. Just create mm -hmm. magic. Just do things for people. Like do things for people that they wouldn't either do for themselves or that's not on your job description. And that's what you always do. You go way and above what's on that job description, right? And I just think that's so big. Well, you know, if I only did what was in the job description, I wouldn't be giving 100%. Exactly. I'd be giving the right. minimum. And I'm right. not a minimum kind of guy. No, I'm, you're not. I'm pretty much a yeah. maximum kind yeah. of guy. <laughs> Don't be minimum. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I very much, I just, when it comes, let's talk about the future professionals, because this just happened um, over the weekend. I was here on the floor, um, and I was demonstrating a haircut to a group of uh, future professionals, and the girl who was supposed to be cutting the hair you could tell she was terrified. She felt like she was in over her head. Mm. And I handed her back her shears and her comb. And I said, you can do this. And she said, Stephen, I, I really don't think I can. I said, okay. I said, I know that you don't believe in yourself right now. I said, do you think I'm a good hairstylist? Do, do you think I know what I'm doing here? And she said, yeah. She said, you're amazing. And I said, okay. Then if you don't believe in yourself, you need to understand that I believe in you. And I'm a damn good hairdresser. Yeah. So just go ahead and do it. And do it. Yeah. And so she just was like stunned. Like I thought, has nobody ever said this to this girl before? Right. Has nobody ever looked at her in Bar the eye your and belief. said, I'm an expert and I'm telling you you're good enough. Yeah. Maybe no it has. Maybe that yeah. was the first time somebody said it to her, which absolutely breaks my so heart in she half. Did She's she great. And that great? Yeah, sometimes you just have to borrow people's belief mm -hmm. in you. And I love that. That's the power of being a learning leader and working here at the Palmental School because we get to give our belief to people. Like, that's so powerful. I, I have told someone today that I can't stand to be away from my schools because there's so much need here of people needing your belief. You can just walk out. If I'm, if I'm in a bad mood, which is rare, if I'm in a bad mood, I walk into one of my Palm Mitchell schools in five minutes, I'm switched around because I'm mm -hmm. able to give back right away to somebody to be able to help borrow my belief into them. And I love what you said earlier too, because you've got to ask for help. And it's so true. I have a list of things that I want to do. And some of those things haven't happened till years later that I wanted to do 10 years ago. And now it's starting to happen in fruition because I just wasn't asking the right people. 
to help me. And so it's just amazing. You just keep asking, just keep asking, even if you keep getting turned down, keep asking for help because I believe whatever you have, you can give. So it just on the other side of yes. And I think that's really powerful. So Steven, so what's the best way to follow you or get a hold of you? Are you on Facebook? Are you on Instagram? What's the best way? Honestly, I'm like the most unsocial media person <laughs> that you've ever seen in your life. If for no other reason, then I just don't have time to devote to it. Yes. And you know, you and know that's I'm not going to be that That's person. very smart for you to do that. So if they want to find you, they've got to find you at Palm Mental School, you Fort Myers. you got to come here to the school. you got to come meet Stephen Birkenhauer because he is one of the most <laughs> amazing people you will ever meet and learn how to be 100%. So thank you, Stephen. Oh, you're welcome, Tina. Thanks you for all the opportunities. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.